Welcome to Econa Day Unplugged. It is Wednesday, February 28th, 2018. I am Ann Picker, Econa Day's Chief Economist, and with me are Jeremy Hawkins in London and Mark Pender in the U.S. The big news of the week, of course, is the new Fed Chairman Jay Powell's testimony before the House of Representatives Financial Services Committee yesterday. Uh, The Senate's turn is tomorrow, Thursday. Besides Powell in the U.S., there were a number of important economic data releases and so far so far, and there are many more to come. Mark, why don't you start? Yes. Uh, uh, well, uh, Powell uh, entered uh, his entered the stage for the first time. Had a, a, a definitely a respectable showing. Um, he stressed uh, economic strength. Repeated, basically repeated the January FOMC statement that uh, inflation is expected to gradually rise and perhaps stay around the 2% area, which is an upgrade from the prior year. Really nothing there that was different. He stressed uh, economic points of strength, referring to uh, indicators, um, including exports, uh, which uh, he said uh, were firming, um, and they have been firming. Uh, that was, of course, last year. I'll get to uh, that little tidbit in a second. Um, and the markets uh, reacted. The mark, the reaction was modest in the markets. Uh, the real question at play here is whether or not the Fed will increase rates four times uh, in small increments this year or three times. The FOMC has uh, forecast three so the, the the difference here, the play here is whether or not we're going to have a fourth. He didn't give that, anything that was away. In, Mark, that was in December, correct? The uh, January, the, four, the last four. Oh hours. yes, that was the that was Janet Yellen's last meeting in uh, the quarterly forecasts uh, in uh, December, the last release in December, and then we had an FOMC meeting in January. We're going to get the next set of forecasts, which should, uh, should be very interesting at the March meeting and whether or not they do increase uh, uh, that to a, 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 well, we're expecting a quarter point uh, hike in March. And if they then see three more following, uh, that would then be the fourth one. And we'll see how the market reacts to this. It's been, uh, it's uh, not been subdued, the market's reaction to the Federal Reserve raising interest rates, which is, uh, which is, you know, which is kind of interesting, really, because uh, the Fed had been in the background for a while, but its power is still very evident. What's interesting, I think, here is that the early data that we're getting uh, at the beginning of this year, however, January data, has not been pointing to strength. I was mentioning exports. Well, they actually fell pretty sizably uh, in advanced data for the goods portion of the um, of the trade deficit, uh, and that uh, showed uh, also a decline in imports, which uh, implies a cross-border uh, decline in, in demand. Uh, that wasn't positive. Uh, and uh, so that is uh, uh, will be in play. And where, as far as the inflation reading goes, um, we are expecting a 0.3 uh, reading in uh, for the CPI, or that's the general 
consensus or that's the general expectation. So we don't really, uh, as far as the the inflation goes, it's a little bit firmer perhaps, not a significant amount, but it doesn't have to be a significant amount uh, firmer, just a little bit incrementally. But ultimately, that's going to have to come down to uh, consumer demand because uh, they're the bulk of the economy and whether or not they can continue into uh, we just had a the second uh, estimate for uh, fourth quarter GDP today and um, consumer uh, spending did hold at the 3.8 percent annualized rate in the quarter which is a very 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 strong rate however uh, whether it continues that rate is unknown and is uncertain I think we're seeing a little bit down uh, downbeat or uh, lower forecasts initial forecast for the first quarter um, and we're getting like I was saying the inflation we're going to get the core CPI core PCE index on uh, March 1st on Thursday and we are expecting a 0.3 but but no uh, but no acceleration in the year-on-year rate so if everything holds together everything holds steady um, and the financial markets don't, uh, you know, uh, uh, gyrate too too heavily. Uh, the economy is on this kind of slow, gradual upward path, uh, and uh, I think the expectations are probably that uh, there very well could be a fourth rate hike. Thank you, Mark. Jeremy, what's happening on your side of the pond? It hasn't been exactly quiet. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. We have a sort of a ton of European numbers this week, and to cap it off, potentially more importantly, we've got at least a couple of potentially sizable political event risks this week as well, which perhaps I should begin with. Um, and that's indeed that's ignoring what's going on with Brexit, which really continues to wind its own unfathomable way. Um, Sunday, then, we'll get the Italian Italian general election. Uncertainty levels surrounding this, and bear in mind it's the third largest economy in the Eurozone, so as much as people might like to ignore it, they can't really afford to do that. So uncertainty levels are very high because, I mean, as complicated as the voting system always is, it's even more complex this time because they've made some changes that they introduced last year, seemingly aimed at reducing the chances of a strong performance by the more extremist parties. Anyway, these make another coalition government all the more likely. And because of that, financial markets, I guess, are kind of assuming it's just going to be a case of more of the same. And indeed, looking at the way Italian asset markets have been reacting really over the last several months, they haven't really done a great deal. Um, some of the risk premium, which you might expect to be in there, simply haven't materialised. All that said, we've got about a, a third of the electorate, which is currently undecided. And the largest single party is the populist five-star party. And it's not impossible, I suppose, that we could end up with some kind of Eurosceptic coalition government. The odds are probably against at the moment. This isn't impossible. And were that to happen, it most certainly could damage the euro. So although I think the general expectations will end, end up with some kind of broad coalition government, which in true Italian fashion won't last very long, uh, there is at least some chances of a shock in terms of the composition of the coalition, which uh, could leave the euro looking a little bit vulnerable. Also on Sunday, and although it's perhaps not getting the kind of attention it should be in financial markets, we're due to get the results of the German SDP membership vote 
on whether or not to join in with Angela Merkel's conservatives uh, in an attempt to form this so-called grand coalition. Now, at this stage, we don't really have any opinion polls, but um, were we to see the SPD membership reject membership, reject rather joining Angela Merkel, and that's certainly a possibility, if not a probability, um, well, essentially, it's going to mean we're probably going to have to either have to have new general elections um, in Europe, um, we'll have a, or else we'll have a minority government, and in either event, it'll be the first case for that we've seen that in Germany uh, since post-World War II. So um, that Germany's now been without a proper government for nearly five months. And I think as we saw when people thought that there was going to be a grand, grand coalition, the euro jumped quite sharply what, a month or so ago now. Were we to see the SPD rejecting the grand coalition argument, then we could simply see the euro come off uh, just as sharply too. Also, it's a big week for data, but I won't go through a lot of this. There's far too many of them. But just to pick out probably the most one which we had released earlier on today, that showed just the same old problems for the ECB in terms of inflation. Uh, the headline inflation rate, these are preliminary figures for February, showed uh, another tick down in the annual year-on-year um, -year change to just 1.2%. That's its lowest mark since, what, the end of 2016. The calls were at least flat, but to all intents and purposes, they're just continuing to trend sideways. So it's um, yeah, the risk, I think, of the ECB is that even though underlying inflation isn't falling, it's not going up. And the big worry is that if we continue to see headline inflation falling, we could see inflationary expectations start to de-anchor and begin to drift down. And that would make the chances of meeting the ECB's um, price stability goals all the harder still. Um, I'll just round off quickly since I should mention Brexit because there are, there's a lot stirring in the pot there. Potentially the uh, the biggest issue as of this week has been that the opposition Labour Party has finally come out in favour of a customs union. Now this isn't the same thing as maintaining membership of a single market which is a much broader issue but nonetheless it could still attract some of votes from the Tory Remainers and if that were to happen once again the Prime Minister's position over here is going to start looking extremely rocky. Now, ironically, the idea of what would amount to a sort of a softer version of Brexit has been taken quite well by the pound because anything which is you know, good news for soft Brexit is good news for sterling. However, looking beyond that, if we were to see this government collapse, there'd be every chance of a Labour government coming in and financial markets wouldn't like that. So politically, if nothing else, there's an awful lot happening in the UK as well this week. And that's my lot. That's a big lot. Uh, now for Asia, uh, key data this week so far uh, indicates that data for China and Japan have both disappointed. The official CFLP manufacturing PMI swooned to a reading of barely above the break-even point at 50.3, with 50 being the break-even point. This is down from 51.3 in January. Uh, should add that data from China during the uh, Lunar New Year period often reflects odd dips and turns and whatever, because a good part of the uh, industrial base, which of course would be manufacturing, absolutely closes down for the week of the celebrations. And in Japan, January industrial production tumbled a monthly 6.6%. 6 
with declines in transportation equipment, general purpose production, and business-oriented machinery, along with electronic parts and devices. That just about covers anything that's main here. The drop in industrial production in January uh, contrasts sharply with the PMI data, survey data, which indicated that conditions in the manufacturing center section had strengthened markedly in that month. So once again, we're confronted with survey data versus the actual data from the government going in two different directions. I think that's it for today. Until next week, cheers.